This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to Homestay Radio. My name is Chris Hambling and tonight I'm here to guide you through our review of a defeat against Chelsea. It was 2-1 to the former champions, let's just call them that. But uh, a decent second half from Palace, but an abject first half. And we'll be talking about all the reasons why that was. I'll be introducing you to my panel in just a moment. But we do want to hear from you today. Please go to holradio.net forward slash contact to find out all the ways to get in touch with us tonight. We'll be back in just one moment. reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia, homophobia doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proud and Palace. Oh, does, doesn't the microphone sound tinny? Tinny in that introduction there. Probably sounds tinny now as you listen to it at home. That'll be Google Hangouts for you. <clears throat> Might have to look at some other options. But in unstable Skype and uh, tinny, tinny sounding Google Hangouts. <clears throat> I apologise for uh, airing my grievances, well, on air, but... Let's get it out of my system. I'm going to introduce my panel for you right now. The panel is one person less, as Ed didn't realise he was on the show today until very recently, and there's a massive hangover, so he's not going to be joining us. But stepping up to the plate, we have Mr. Nicholas Gillard. Hello, everyone. Turn up the bass. Chris won't sound tinny. Yes, yeah, that's, that's what we need to do. Turn <laughs> up the bass. Um, yeah, how, hello, everybody. You all right, Chris? Oh, yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, yeah. Be cheerful as ever. You know? <laughs> At least you're not dying this week. No, exactly. Joe, I'm well. For the first time in a long while, I'm actually well. So let's see no, how... I don't that... believe you. It's weird, isn't it? See how it translates to the show. Yeah. But also, I mean, as, as much as people are excited because we've got you, Nick, and that seems like enough. But, you know, we're not like that. We've also got DR Kernas. Hello. Hello, DR. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a fun show, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, how many hours till you go to New York? I actually don't know, but I haven't packed yet, so it's not. It's, it's going to be a long day and long morning. Yeah, what, good luck. Good luck with that. What was your oh. sister asking you to pack, and you said, "I, I'm not going to Antarctica." What was it oh. asking you to pack? <laughs> oh no, she gave me some uh, hot packs which I can use instead of wearing gloves, and 
I think she's going a bit over the top. As you can you can have them as as well as wearing gloves. You can put them in your gloves to keep your hands warm. But yeah, as you say, you're not going to Antarctica, and it's unlikely that you'll need them. But you might appreciate them. I thought it was a very nice gesture from your sister there, and you could have been more receptive. And, and yeah, they're, good, right. they're, they're good if you put them in your shoes, as long as you yeah. don't <laughs> or, or down your pants. Them, you? You can just put down your pants as well if you want to warm up uh, those areas. <laughs> Is, is this a Chelsea movie show? <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, we're supposed to be, uh, supposed to be doing something else, aren't we? Right, anyway, quite enough of that. Just, uh, just you know, just a little bit of a, a light-hearted warm-up because yet again, we've got to talk about a... Uh, I'm being told to hang on. Am I actually hanging on? I'm confused. Uh, I'm just going to get on with stuff, right, anyway. Um, and then... <laughs> yeah, yeah just, just get on with anything. It's slightly derailed for a second there. Um, let's, let's let's talk about Chelsea. I mean, obviously, another defeat. Um, and I think probably after the first half, we all feared the worst. But um, things did did pick up shortly afterwards. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about the reasons why. And we've got to start with the way we set up. And in particular, you know, we had, we had the good news that um, uh, Wilf Zaha made, was fit enough for the bench which was a real surprise. Uh, and obviously Mama Sacco as well made the bench. And, you know, you looked at that, you know, the, the the players we had to come on and change the game. And all of a sudden we looked like we actually had a squad again, which was quite nice. Um, although obviously match fitness has been lacking in some of those players, but, you know, slowly getting them back. And we'll talk about how much of a difference that made in the second half. But first we've got to talk about how we set up in the first half. So guys, we went 4-4-2 exactly as we'd started against Manchester United. And you can understand why, given that we went 2-0 up in the United game and it was only when they made their changes um, that, and we were unable to respond that we uh, we got pegged back the way that we did. However, you've got to say the, the way the game unfolded, that it, it, looked, it looked a mistake from very, very early on. It looked a mistake and we didn't really seem to do anything to address it. And, you know, I'm not saying we had you know, too many options because, because unless you start Wilf, um, not saying, and judging by the previous match, you can kind of understand what we did, but it's just odd that we didn't try to do anything to change that. So, I mean, to get you, get your views on that really. So obviously Nick, I, I've given mine. I, I can under, I said, I can understand why Roy started the way he did, but do you understand that? Or do you think he was a bit naive? I can understand why he started it. What I don't understand is why he continued with it after even 10 minutes. You could see that we were getting swamped on the wings because of their wing backs. Weren't that particularly good, but there, there were players free all the time uh, and they utilised them well. We we didn't seem to to be able to match that with um, Townsend tracking back or, or the other wing tracking back. And yeah, we, he should have done something. Roy should have done something sort of halfway through the half or, or even earlier. And I'm not seeing that from him very much changes during games, unless you can think of anywhere where we have done. It's always well, a I mean, time or. I, I can't, I can't honestly pull the, pull the name of the, the opponent off, out the top of my head, but I do I do recall a game where we made a very very early uh, formation shift, but I can't and it was it was the right one to make as well. It was a, definitely a home game, but it just escapes me which game it was. But no, I, I know what you mean. It's you know he has a he, he has a way of setting up and and, a, and picks a line up and general, genuinely generally we haven't seen him change that of, of late. But uh, Adil, just to bring you in on this discussion, obviously we, we you know Nick's quite rightly pointed out that the fullbacks 
had the freedom of uh, of Stamford Bridge pretty much from from minute one. Um, but obviously, the five man midfield against our bank of four. I mean, you know, Jeff Schlup and um, Andros Townsend at times very narrow in that bank of four, which allowed that space down the right. But also was outnumbered in central midfield, which allowed Cesc Fabregas to just roam around the park. You know, those are two key errors in, in my view that weren't addressed. And again, was that something that surprised you that we didn't do anything about that? I suppose more to the point, what could we have done with the players we had out on the pitch? Um, with the formation we had, it was always due to happen. I don't watch Chelsea that much, but whenever I have watched Chelsea, I know that their fullbacks love storming up the pitch. Both of them do. And of course, when they do play like that, they play 3-5-2, uh, which they did yesterday. And players like Fabregas, you can't leave open, but it was all due to tactics. When you play 4-4-2, you're going to get out running midfield. And as a result, we, we paid for our, uh, our approach. To, to the start of the game with 4 4 2. They were outrunning us, as I said. The fullbacks were just, it was just too easy for them. They just ran, and luckily enough, their crosses weren't on point. So that's how we got away. And Fabregas, if you leave him open, you can pull, pull a pass just like that. And yeah, that was the downside, really. It's just how we started. 4 4 2 wouldn't work for this game, so it was a bit odd. Mm. Nick? I'm just wondering, we had, we had uh, Fossi Mensah back on the bench, whether we could have changed it a bit and used uh, Fossi Mensah and Wambasaka on that same wing and, and kind of double up with the defending a bit better than we did. Just a, well, just a thought. Well, well I suppose you, you bring that up, but then obviously we have effectively two left-backs on the left-hand side that didn't really do that job. Because again, Schlupp is, is being asked to come more narrow. and, and you know, That's just how, how Roy's played with... You know, with um, with us because you know, and it got results when he came in, you know, obviously if you, funnily enough, if you go back to how we played against Chelsea at home and in his first win, um, it was very much that formation that kind of did it for us with, you know, Wilf playing more as a forward and, you know, the, the, yeah, I think it was Loft. No, Loftus Cheek wasn't playing. Cause it was Chelsea, but uh, you know, again, I think it was MacArthur maybe who was who was tucking in from the left hand side, and you had Townsend tucking in from the right, and having that narrow form. We we've kind of stuck with that all season, so I'm not necessarily surprised that we did it. I'm just surprised that we didn't adjust. So for for me, the the automatic adjustment there is a bit difficult because what when you've got what we have been had been doing, which is you know playing. With with Kabai in the team, it was MacArthur who was playing out on that left. It's quite easy to tuck one of the forwards, and usually you would have expected it to be Serloff. You would tuck him in, on, onto the left, have a sort of a more of a front three um, that becomes a five in midfield when when we haven't got the ball, as as we have played. But with Schlupp out there, obviously he's not a central midfielder, so I can see why there was probably a bit of hesitancy to do that. But ultimately, that hesitancy um, has, has cost us any chance of getting anything out of that game although we will talk about the complexities of that statement in a little bit, I think. (laughs) Um, It was interesting because we did actually go three up top towards the end of the second half, didn't we? And it it stopped the the wing-backs being able to go forward because they had to stay back because they didn't want to leave three on three. It's like anything. You you give people something to think about. They still broke down. You're still broken in the second half, you know, and we'll come to the detail of the instance in a minute. But, you know, Alonso still got forward. Zappacosta still got forward. But particularly Zappacosta, who was absolutely running right in the first half. And and as DR pointed out, the crosses weren't on point, to use your phrase. But he was absolutely, he he was just, you know, just absolutely destroying us down that down that left-hand side, you know, and Van Arnold couldn't get forward and had us pinned back and we just we just weren't coping. 
But absolutely, he, you know, it was a different second half from him because he had Wilfred Zaha to worry about. And, you know, the impact that he made, we'll certainly be talking about in a moment. So if I may, I'll just pick out some, some key incidents from the first half. And there's a couple of talking points in that. Um, you know, we did, have, I'll be honest with you, you know, first couple of minutes, we actually looked pretty bright. We played a little bit of possession football, nice short passing, looking to sort of move Chelsea around. But I'd say it took probably two or three minutes for Chelsea to settle into a rhythm. And then as soon as they, as soon as they realised how much space they had down the flanks, it was real trouble. And as I mentioned in the, the my opening statements, really, there, my opening statements, like I'm a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> my opening statement, it's Fabregas, had the freedom of the pitch. Um, he did. <laughs> he had the freedom of the pitches. And um, that was that was really difficult to see that, you know, there's not a lot of flock and midfield can really do about that when there's there's only two of them. They've got an awful lot to worry about. Um, you know, we're playing a very, very good team. Let's not forget that. They might not be in the greatest of form, but on their day, they're capable of beating anyone, you know. Um, so I suppose their, their first meaningful chance came, it was... Uh, it was a corner again, Zappacosta over overrunning sort of down the right hand side, cuts in, gets a corner off of Van Aanholt. Eventually the ball from the corner lands with Kante, he has a shot. And uh you've got Giroud standing in front of the keeper, um, doesn't get a touch to it, and Wayne kind of just reacts and, and parries away. Uh good save there. And um, you know, obviously, but if Giroud gets a touch, that's a goal. Considering uh, he, he couldn't see it either, because Giroud was in the way, it was a good save. No, absolutely, you know, he, he to be fair, he hasn't really seen it because you can't you just you just got to be in the right position and in the right position he was and he did and he did react um and you've got but you obviously initial thought is that you know Giroud's way Giroud's way offside anyway so but unfortunately when you when you look at it back uh Luca's had a little slip in the area and he's still getting up as, as the ball comes in so really you know that's a massive opportunity for Chelsea to go ahead and, and you know we've, we've done well not to go behind at that point and from the back, off the back of that, really, we actually have our first decent spell in the game, and little bit of a uh, little bit of pressing the ball means Chelsea sort of run out of play over on the left hand side. PVA throws a throws to Benteke, who I think is probably this is the only thing he did in the first half, where he flicks on um flicks on a ball to Townsend. Townsend, it's a dipping volley, and it's only just over. And you know, out of nowhere, we could have could have really snatched something, but it's not long after that that all the warnings that we've had, unfortunately, we don't heed. And in particular, I think William had had about three shots by this point. So he picks the ball wide left, about 30 yards from goals, walks past Townsend. He just doesn't get anything like a challenge in. Just kind of watches him go past. Luca and MacArthur between them aren't able to get out and close him down. He takes a shot, not a strong shot by any stretch of the imagination. Deflects off Martin Kelly's heel, uh, which takes it past goalkeeper. And uh, you know, and, and we're one 0 down. And and Dion, you know, I'm not saying there's a massive amount there, but what are your thoughts on on how that goal has been conceded? Obviously, very too easy for Willian to get in from from the side, definitely. But you know, it's not, it's not a rocket of a shot. So you know, so what, what are your thoughts there? Well, first of all, we need to look about how Willian got into that position in the first place. Um, Andros just left them, and. When Andros left him, you can argue, if you look at the replays, Tompkins could have came out, but William was at um, full flow, so it would have been too hard for Tompkins to stop him. And going looking at the shot, yes, it was deflected, and I can see where you're coming from with the with the power of the shot, but Chris, I think it was just too hard to save. It hit the post. Any shot that hits the post and goes in, you're asking a bit too much from the goalkeeper. So I wouldn't put the blame on Wayne Hennessy. It was a bit poor from Andros, to be fair, because he just stopped running, and that's that really, if maybe continued with him and applied pressure onto him, he wouldn't have 
had that opportunity to take the shot in the first place. Well, I mean, certainly I'm not putting the blame on the goalkeeper and I and I will state categorically I will not be giving any opinion on the goalkeeper anymore following some <laughs> comments made last week. Um, I, will sim- I will simply state, state things that happen in relation to uh, talking points. I'm not going to give any opinions. I will say that I did look for the opinions of others on that and it was interesting to see uh, many people say that, you know, I think Mark Schwarzer was on um, goals on Sunday and pointed at you know just says once the ball's deflected there's there's just no chance of, of a goalkeeper getting to it even if you look at the power conversely John Burridge said uh, he felt the goalkeeper was slow to get down to the ball you know those are two differing opinions from two very knowledgeable goalkeepers Nick sorry a uh, Chelsea fan uh, I know said that it would have been seven or eight had it not been for a fantastic performance from Hennessy although I did laugh at, um, I think it was Wagger's uh, tweet um, of a chimney falling down very, very, very slowly. That's how I won't, won't be. Uh, that's, that's interesting, but I won't be passing any comment on that. <laughs> is, this a, is this a small popper air producer? No, no, not at all. Not at all. It's more. <laughs> Listen, people, people feel that we've done the subject to death. So I'm yeah. not gonna unless I've got something new to say. I'm not gonna say anything. I'll, t- I'll take your point, listeners. I'm sorry, and I apologise. Um. So that's us. That's us. A goal down. Um. And the disappointing for me is we disappointing thing for me there is, is that we don't react. You know, there's, there's no, it's still no tactical reaction to it, and Chelsea are just tearing us apart. And if they were, if they were taking their chances, you know, this is where they really put us to the sword. If you, if you look at the game against Arsenal, where we found ourselves four down incredibly quickly, well, this could have been very, very similar. It was that kind of performance. Um, so still no reaction. And if you look at the second goal, it, it's quite an. Um, you know, the ultimate result of the, is, is a very, very unlucky situation with Martin Kelly and, and, the, and the keeper. So that's very, um, you know, that's that's the end part of this. But there's a lot more to it. So, I mean, first of all, we, we give the ball away and it's Fabregas again under no pressure. Um, and at the time he picks the ball up, uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka's way upfield getting involved in the in the attack, as he should be when you're 1-0 down if you've got an opportunity to get forward. Uh, but unfortunately, that leaves... Uh, Alonso completely free down the left and obviously if you've got Cesc Fabregas on the ball and a completely free player he's going to find him if you don't put him under any pressure easily finds him Alonso runs down the left and crosses in uh, just as just as Bissaka's catching him up you know it's a good recovery pace but he can't stop the cross uh, goes at the penalty area William dummies it goes to Hazard plays in Zabacosta I don't know necessarily know if he's shooting. I think he is, but it could be it could be one of those sort of drilled cross type shots. So you're going across the keeper. Um, so I'm just going to describe this factually as, as I saw it. So the cross shot goes past the keeper, and the keeper dives after it's gone through. Kelly then attempts to clear it, but the clearance hits that diving keeper, ricochets back to him and off of him into the net for an own goal. So Nick, that's how I saw it. Um, all happened very, very quickly, but you've got to say, other than the fact that ignoring the fact we could have conceded a load more goals if they'd been more clinical uh, and, and, and you know, and our keeper hadn't made saves, you've got to look at that goal and say it really does sum up our luck at the moment because it's, it's, if it's not your team, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, indeed. And it's, I had to watch it about five or six times to actually work out what had actually happened. Because <laughs> it was one of those. But it, it's just near the bottom of the league, that's going to happen to you, isn't it? When yeah, you're just, really desperate for the points. It's just one of those things. I don't think you can put any uh, Kelly or Hennessy at fault there. It, it was just 
one of those things. Yeah, it's very, very unfortunate. Um, go on, dear. But surely when you're in the bottom of the league, stuff like that shouldn't happen. It was a freak. It was a freak goal. Yeah, I understand. I understand that. But it, defend, the defence as like uh, overall, it was just... Going back to the fullbacks, it started from Alonso and then it finished with Zabacosta's shot. We just couldn't handle them. And I'm just... I don't know what, it's, what it is with Roy. Uh, with the substitute, I know it's a bit too early to do subs. And still, after the first goal, we didn't do any changes. And Zabacosta and Alonso were both involved in that goal. And I wouldn't blame Hennis for that. And I wouldn't really blame Kelly. It was just a sloppy goal. And with recently, to be fair, we have considered a bit of too many sloppy goals. So it is something to get worried about. But we should see what we will do against Huddersfield. We don't necessarily, though, DL, have to change a player to change the system, do we? Should we not have players on the pitch that can adapt and change a slightly different system? So it's not necessarily about making a substitute. It's putting players in slightly different places on the pitch. Yeah, okay. if that's the case, then why didn't... So Roy clearly didn't believe that the players that were on the pitch couldn't do the same thing. That's why he put on Zaha and, as a result, changed the tactics. So if, it's, if, it, if he doesn't believe the players on the field can play that system, you either do an early sub or you you just try at least attempt. But he clearly didn't believe that changing the system with the players on the pitch would work. So then you have to change the player to make it work. And he didn't. I suppose, yeah, and in hindsight, if he'd taken Benteke off earlier uh, and brought Wilf on and then shoved the three up front a bit early in the game to try and nip it in the bud... Uh, perhaps that's an idea, but I, I, I think Wilf was a risk to playing for half a game because he, he wasn't as uh, full on uh, mm-hmm. as he usually is. But um, I'm getting ahead, Chris. Yeah, you are. I know you can't, you can't possibly be, but I, I think there's the truth is somewhere in the middle there. I mean, obviously, Roy Hodgson's extensive experience in the in the game would suggest that it's not a case of him not knowing that he needed to change something. So, I, you know, but at the same time, you know, he has shown a degree of being a bit stubborn and a bit. You know, un, un, you know, inflexible at times with um with his selections and with his tactics. But you know, I don't think there's too much. It is frustrating to watch when you can see that there's something wrong and that something needs to change. But I, I suspect that, that there was difficulty in communicating to the players what that what that change needed to be. I think they probably tried. I'm almost certain they tried to get some sort of message across to change something. But you know, when it it just didn't happen. And, you know, when you can see the dramatic change at halftime, not just because of the personnel change, but because of the shape change, you can definitely see that they knew what they needed to do. They just weren't able to fully instigate it until halftime. But I, I do feel that's worthy of criticism. You know, we are playing a great, well, a, a, a potentially great side when they're in the, at their best. You know, and we and we don't have our best team out. So, you know, something like that's always, always in danger of happening. I just that's it. Oh, you, you could see that Conte is a manager that would be able to change things just like that. Well, yeah, but it helps when you've got the resources and the, the squad that they've got. And the squiddians. Yeah, and, you know, not the level of injuries that they've got. You know, we're still, you know, you, you've got to give people a bit of bit of leeway when you're dealing with the the problems that we've had in the last few weeks. You know, it's it's been horrible. Is it six, seven games and we've got we've got two points out of? You know, it's not it's not a great run, but when you look at the circumstances we've had to put up with during it, it's um, you know, it's no wonder. And it's fit in a way, you know, getting ahead of myself. It feels good to get these games out of the way and to start, you know, focusing down on these last eight where there are some some real winnable matches coming up. That 
you know, it doesn't mean we're going to win them. We've got to do an awful lot of work to do that, but it certainly feels a lot better looking at what's coming than, than what we've just been through. But anyway, getting ahead of myself a little bit, you know, I think it's fair to say that, you know, once we were 2-0 down, we still, we just still didn't react. Um, we did have that one fantastic moment, which was, you know, William again sort of dancing through, plays, gets the ball to Hazard, he plays in Giroud. It's just a point blank drilled shot past Hennessy. And uh, Tompkins absolutely busting a gut to get back and manages to somehow back heel it, Nick. <laughs> it's just a fantastic goal line clearance from a player who is really pushing for player of the season. He was. And just to stay on Tompkins, the other players who were playing for England, is way better than them. Why? Why isn't he getting a call up? That's my. That I want people to tweet in and say why. Why is Tomkins not being picked for England? Because I, I really do think he's good enough quality too. He has been absolutely superb this year. One of one of one of my favourite players this season as well. Always, obviously, a massive fan of Wilf. But Tomkins is, is another level this year. Um, unfortunately, number of injuries has perhaps prevented him getting a, a consistent run, but. Hopefully he stays fit till the end of the season. They are. Uh, with Tompkins, I think he is going to be player of the year, 100%. And as Nick said, he's one of the most underrated defenders I've seen. Some people might say, all right, you're going a bit too far. But it really is. I haven't. He's so composed on the ball. And forget about the clearance. All season long, composed, knows when to tackle, knows when to pass. He's a leader. He always, every time I look at Tompkins, he always communicates with his back line. And... I, I re- I, I, every day I, when I think about this, what was West Ham thinking of when they got rid of Tompkins? Like, he surely he couldn't, he didn't turn, turn into Sergio Ramos in one day. He had some bit of talent. So, yeah, he's one of the most underrated players and he deserves to go to the World Cup, but it's not going to happen, is it? Yeah, well, West Ham fans obviously were extremely disappointed when we, when we bought him off him and we paid a fair sum of money for him as well, but... Well, yeah, he's worth worth every penny on that kind of form, and um, yeah, definitely been a real bright sort of part of our season in a in a in a season of struggle. You know, he's yeah, it's been it's been great. Um, so you know, we go away with it there, not going three 0 down. And at one point, it didn't look like we were three 0 down. There was a shot came in. Um, I won't say the word that my <laughs> iPad has auto corrected it to. <laughs> it definitely wasn't a long range one of those. Um, but it fell to Hazard, who who tapped it in, but way offside in the end. So way offside, um, yeah, not too, not too bad. But that, and that was the sort of last action of the half, and, and I think it's fair to say it was a pro- it was a real shambles at that stage. We'd done extremely well getting a half time two 0 down, and no one really covering themselves in any glory, bar probably Tompkins. Um, and again, I think Basaka had some. Some good moments, although some other moments where he was caught a little bit out of possession. But it, it was just a very, very hard game for everyone. But like I say, you know, the attitude, I think it's, it's interesting. A lot of people saying that we didn't try in that first half. And I, that's something I, I wanted to address because I don't think there was anyone on the pitch. Well, there was maybe one on the pitch who we'll come to in a minute who weren't giving their all. It I, was I, just I... total mismatch. Well, the first goal, you, you said that William had got past Townsend. Well, Townsend didn't even get up and try and get back. He, uh, last you saw of him, he was kneeling on the floor watching the action. Mm. Um, but there's there's and, a bit of that. It was a bit of switching off when, when you know, like you say that, you know. But I, I just like I said, I think it was it was difficult for the the players that were out there in the first half when they were trying to cope 
but they were being torn apart by a team that was just set up in a way that was. Do you know what I mean? We, what can we do? What can the players do? You could see the look on them. Um, it was Van Arnholt's face quite often when he was being just overrun by Zappacosta. He was just looking around like, what do I do? What you know? What, who's coming out here to help me? And unfortunately, there was no one able to do that because of the five-man midfield from Chelsea. So really, honestly, I'm not, you know, let's not, you know, go on about it forever, but it was it was a real struggle. Um, but I, I do think you, it's wrong to say that the players didn't try, but it wasn't a performance. You know, Hodgson said it himself. It wasn't a performance he wanted to associate himself with at, at halftime. Um, he was he was very, very down on it. Um, so let's talk about what's changed. But I'm oh, sorry, Nick, you want to jump in there? Yeah, it's, it's not that they didn't try. They weren't at it. They weren't switched on. There's a difference between being switched on and being aware. And to be fair, we were run ragged quite a lot. Uh, so, yeah, apart from that one player who you'll mention in a bit, we just weren't at it. Something not switched on. And I don't know, but was Void just being stubborn, not changing anything? Well, I, like I said, I don't, think, I don't think it was an easy change, was it? Yeah. Like, that's what I was saying at the, the, the top of the show, because, you know, you haven't got, and that someone who's going to step into central midfield out on the left, you've got Jeff Schlupp, who's a left back or a left midfielder or potentially even forward. But he, one thing he isn't in all that versatility is a central midfielder. But, yeah. you'd have to, but you'd, like, as you were saying, you'd have to ask him to fulfil that role for the for the rest. So if you are, do you do that? Or do you, after 10 minutes, do you say, all right, Jeff, you've got to play central midfield, mate, and so uh, off you're going, you're going wide left and we're going to play like that for the rest of the game. I think there's the potential to say that if we did that, we might have been able to contain Chelsea. But, of course, there's no guarantee of that. You know, we've talked about it on the show before, the benefit of hindsight. Just because we're, just because there was a change available like that, it doesn't mean that that change would have actually been successful. We just think it would, <laughs> you know. Clutching at straws. Yeah, I suppose to a point, yeah. Yeah, because Chelsea are good enough to have beaten us whatever system we put. We were um, so enamoured with that first half performance. Our chat at half-time was about the best potatoes, wasn't it? It, it was. We were talking about, yeah, yeah, half-time <laughs> came and we were talking about what, you know, Maris Piper you put forward, which is an excellent yeah. potato. It's a good all-rounder, isn't it? It's, it is a good all-rounder. Um, no, I'd, just... I'd say that's the Jedi of potatoes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you want to make a point on the uh, what we were talking about there, but also potentially have you got a favourite potato variety? Oh no, I haven't got <laughs> I wasn't involved in this conversation yesterday and I'm happy Shame. I wasn't involved. <laughs> um going back, uh, what I think Nick, I think it was Nick, um stubborn. Roy is what happened yesterday is what happened when we played Arsenal at home as well. They Jack Wilshire was the Fabregas and their fullbacks pushed them as well. And at half time, we saw what happened. It was a different game and we managed to score two two goals. So I think it's more of Roy's approach. I think he wants to tell his players exactly what he wants and he can do that at half time whereas he can't in the game. So overall, I'm, I am disappointed, but I'm not surprised because he has happened before. No, that's that's, that's, that's yeah. a fair point there. Fair point there. I was just waiting to see if there was potato variety at the end, but there wasn't. Um, King Edward, no? Anyway, um, overrated potato, the King Edward. But no, you, you make a good point there, you know, but I, I, that's the kind of the point I was getting to when I, it's difficult to get those felt that you know to change something fully during the course of a match, and I do, and I think perhaps the the coaching staff struggled to do that. But anyway, it was disappointing. Let's face it. So half time, the change was uh, to get first of all get get Wilf Zaha on the pitch. And that made a huge difference. 
and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But the man he replaced, Christian Benteke, much maligned, much criticised, although the club were quick quick to point out in a tweet this week that of the nine goals we've scored this year, which was quite worrying in itself, that he had been involved in, is it seven of them? Six assists and one goal? Yeah. Um, so they were quite keen to point that out, which was, you know, it's a welcome thing to point out. And it, it sort of, those are the kind of things that I've been talking about. However... <laughs> if, he, if he can't be asked, then we're not going to score goals. So let's have somebody who can put a shift in instead. Well, well you know, again, you, you, you jump straight in, isn't it? But, uh, you know, let's let's not say that the performance against Chelsea validates every bit of criticism that's come his way, because it doesn't. OK, I'll be really, really clear that I've, that's how I feel. I'm not saying, I'm not saying how I feel, it's how you all must feel. That's what I think. That, that there's a danger that the performance in the first half against Chelsea does give people the you know the opportunity to say well I was right all along we I, I don't think you were I think he's been been okay he's just been devoid of confidence and not scoring however he's now got to a point where I've been saying for the last few weeks I've been very concerned that he's maybe past that point of it being just a lack of confidence we might be looking at a player who has declined and who has, you know, lost something like he does just because he's what, 27 doesn't mean he can't, you know, doesn't, you don't you'd have to be in your thirties to, to suddenly lose what it was that made you a special player. And he seems to have lost something. You can't go from 17 goals in the league for us last season to two this year and say that it's just a freaking freak of nature or something like that. You can talk a lot about whether he fits into our team, whether he fits into the system, the way the manager wants to play, all those kind of things. But basically what you can't do is defend the level of effort that he would put in against Chelsea. You know, again, at probably two or three moments in the first half where he was involved with the ball around him, you know, he did some good things. But for the rest of the half, disinterested, didn't want to challenge, didn't want to chase. And I'm not talking about the stuff that annoys me where people want him to chase a lost cause, but I'm talking about the stuff where you put pressure on defenders. You're playing as a front two. You've got to work with the other player to, to really put the defence under pressure, to close down angles. You know, you, you, you've got a, the two of you are like a little separate team within a team, and that just didn't happen. And that wasn't because of Serloff. He didn't have the best of first halves himself, himself, but one thing he did do was play directly and put people under pressure and try and win the ball. And uh, we really saw a moment in the first half that just absolutely summed Benteke up for me at the moment, where the ball went up. You know, we wanted to relieve a bit of pressure. The ball went up to him and he just played the laziest of sort of looped passes back into midfield. And we lost the ball again. If he just takes the ball down and plays a sensible, normal pass, but he seems to want to do this weird little flick or something like that. You know, and I'm, it's very difficult for someone who rates, or at least rated Benteke like myself, to actually defend that. So I was delighted to see him go off at half-time. Nick, you want to make some points now? Yeah, it's just playing with two big lumps up front. And I'm not going to be offensive to both of them, but they, they did seem to occupy the same space too often rather than one looking to run off the other one. There, there wasn't... They they haven't gelled yet, uh, Solov and Benteke, have they? They didn't seem to have that much of an understanding. No, 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 but you don't expect that, really. It takes a while. They've had little moments where they linked in. But I, I'm not so worried about them not gelling. I'm more worried about them, you know, well, worried about the more senior of them not putting enough effort in. Dio, what do you think? Um, Benteke, yeah, his, his effort... Um... Everyone criticises him, but I think it's 
<clears throat> I think it's mainly due to tactics. But yesterday, of course, it was something different. We just didn't put in, put in the work. And I don't think we used him effectively as well yesterday. I know against Man United, humping the ball up to him and Serloff did work because their defenders weren't ready for it and they just couldn't handle it. But I think Chelsea handled it well. And you know what? I don't think he's in decline just yet. I'll, I think next three or four games will give me a rough opinion if he's in decline against weak opposition. Um, but yeah, I think it was a great, not great decision, but I think it was a good decision to take him off because it just wasn't working. Well, I see, you know, do, do, do we basically look at the way we finished the game and we'll talk about the second half instance in a minute. You know, we're going into the next game. Do you bother starting him? Or, you know, the, the direct player sell off in the second half, is that, you know, is, is, is he a better option right now than a than a half-hearted, out-of-confidence Ben Seco? I'm hoping that having somebody there that means we can take Ben Teke off might give him a, a toe up the backside to say, where's son? Pull, pull your socks up, as it were. Right, yeah, go um, I, I, I just don't see Ben Teke getting dropped because if you drop him, you're going to have to play Wolf up top because we know Roy likes to play 4-4-2. Um, he likes that two forwards up there and getting Serloff we thought, well, I thought anyways, that Wilf is going to play wide, so it's going to be all perfect, Benteke, Serloff uh, in the middle instead of using Wilf in the middle. So I don't know if he'll be dropped, but he should, he should, he needs to be dropped, but it's not going to be effective if you're going to put Wilf up there because Wilf was be- better playing out wide. I think unless we've got, it seems to me, unless we've got Johan available, um, so we can have a more of a central midfielder out on that left-hand side, the way that Roy wants to play. It does seem... Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. To me, the, the, the better option is to kind of play with a single striker. But I don't know, it's a tough it's a tough call to make, you know. But we've got players coming back. and we'll, Again, we'll, we'll address that in a little bit as well. I'll go on, Neil. Um, isn't Ruben Loftus-Cheek meant to be coming back as well? Well, yeah, there's... I, I, I'm just going to dig the tweet out, but I'll try and remember it. I think the players that are back in training ahead of the Huddersfield game, I think. And you've got to ignore Connor Wickham, who's only training with the under-23s. You've got Ruben Loftus-Cheek has returned. Um, so he starts training tomorrow, Monday, that is. Um, you've got Johan Kabai is back in training Monday. Um, and obviously Wilf and Mamasako as well. So four hugely important players to us. Yeah. Um, so yeah. ideally, if... if- Loftus-Cheek does return, what would be effective? Because Roy likes to play 
to up top. I wouldn't say play Loftus-Cheek up top, but playing behind the striker, making... If he wants the striker to have that support of someone next to him, maybe play him behind the striker because I think he'll be way effective because he normally plays that wide for us. I think he'll be way effective if he plays in the middle. That's that's another option for Huddersfield. Play him right behind Serloff and he can give him the support. Well, we'll see. Obviously, in midweek, we'll see what Terence and the and the guys think about that on the preview show. Uh, but we'll talk about that again before we before we end the show. We've got a couple of listener questions in, and one does cover that. Chris, uh, but let's go. Um, I, I did read that Ruben Loftus Cheek actually trained with Chelsea last week, so it's back on the training pitch. But obviously, they didn't want to send him back to us and tell us all the Chelsea secrets. <laughs> well, so that's might, that's the only there. reason why he's not back till tomorrow. Yeah, well, there was an interesting one because yeah, he did have three sessions with Chelsea last week, um, but as as I understood it, which I think I've said I said on a sh- one of the shows that I've done recently. From <laughs> I remember it love, love sport, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, 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 done something on BTS, but I can't remember. But one of the things it was uh, I'd heard that um, we quite we just simply didn't know what was going on with Loftus Lof- Cheek because Chelsea hadn't told us anything. Um, we sent him back because of the severity of the injury and we had literally no updates on him. So, you know, that's why a few weeks back Roy had seen someone at the station and told them, we just assume that he's out for the rest of the season because Chelsea weren't responding. But luckily uh, that wasn't the case. They've got him fit and um, he joins us for the running, which is good. Good. As long as he doesn't get injured again. Uh, so look, let's just let's sort of round off what happened in the second half. So we've got Zaha on and, Obviously, the slight shift in formation changed the game to a degree. Um, not perhaps as much. Obviously, Chelsea, I think, took their foot off the gas a little bit. They weren't as um, at it, shall we say, as they were in the first half. They were really motivated first half. A bit more relaxed second half. So, gave us a bit of impetus there. And we had a very early chance. And, and it was showed you the difference. Um, that I suppose it's what you were saying, Nick. It's the difference between trying and being up for something and you know actually putting that into practice by closing players down and not not being sort of static and waiting for something to happen you know we went and tried to make it happen we put them under, Chelsea under pressure very early on uh the error sort of gave the ball to Wilf he sort of took a first touch and the second touch ended off and sorry that touch ended at Serloff's feet um he picked that up drilled the ball at goal hit the post I think First of all, we should be scoring there probably, Nick, um, if we're being really, really, really harsh. But for me, that was really positive to see him do that because that's something we haven't really seen from Benteke, you know, a, a striker who's running onto the ball, fighting his own player to get it and smashing a shot that's that's nearly scored. It's only, I think it's the Chelsea player coming in that actually put him off ever so slightly. Yeah, yeah, Kante gets back really yeah. well, yeah. And you, you've got to remember that you, you were talking about Chelsea's poor run of form. Kante hasn't been playing, has he? So he was always the, the, the midfield glue for them, wasn't he? So no, that's a good good point, well made. Um, but yeah, good you know good, good little good sign there from like I say, I, I really I really like him, Serloff. I know he's not scored yet, but I think in his first game he had a header that nearly went in. I think he's occupying people. He wasn't brilliant when he was out played out on the left, but. Had some moments of of real promise, but I think through the centre in both games, you know, so against Man United and against Chelsea, and in particular when he was on his own in that second half, well, with Wilf buzzing around him, really, really promising signs. I think once he gets to grips with a pace in the Premier League, he could be a serious, serious striker. Um, one of those who, weirdly, dare I say, it might benefit if we were to drop a division for a season. 
<laughs> different type of football though, isn't it? It is, it is, but I reckon it's score a bunch in the in the championship. Yeah. Have to be a big bunch though. <laughs> yeah, bunch is, I suppose bunch of grapes. I'm thinking bananas rather than grapes. That's my problem. Well, as Nick thinks about fruit, Dio, what, what did you want to say? Um, with uh, with Serloff, he since he has come in, he you can clearly see he's not scared. Um, he he will take a shot. He, he he even took. I think he took the ball away from Will. So he's not he's not he's not frightened at all. So that's a good that's a good thing to see from a striker because Benteke he, the confidence part it just. He doesn't take any many shots when he should. So I think having him up there at Huddersfield and hopefully he does take um, many shots starting up there, uh, we can get a goal or two. I can see him scoring soon well, enough because yeah. well, he, 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 he likes a shot. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, and I, I don't mind that. I don't, you know, even those ones where he's had a couple of shots where he hasn't quite caught it right, it's kind of dribbled to the keeper. Don't mind that. If, you, if your first thought as a striker is how I'm not going to get a shot away, I like it. Yes, that's, you know, that's good to me. Um, so that was a you know, really early chance and, you know, to get back into the game. And you wonder what would have happened if we'd scored that. But off the back of that, there was a, another bit of heroic defending from Tompkins. Threw himself at the ball because uh, William broke and dribbled past a couple. He was really on form in that game, was William. Uh, exchanged passes with Giroud, shot at close range. And Tompkins just threw himself across it, sort of hurt himself in the process. But again, absolutely giving everything for the cause, which was great to see. Um, he tackled with his tackle. <laughs> yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah, well, if you're going to stop the ball. Um, yeah, well, I'm not even, yeah, let's not complete that thought. But he's no. done extremely, extremely I've just well. Crossed, I've just crossed my legs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It wasn't, uh, didn't look, didn't look like it was particularly comfortable, but you've got to admire it. And, um, you know, obviously Chelsea then really being a bit wasteful and again, a little bit, like I say, they had they had slightly taken their foot off the gas, if we're being completely honest. And Giroud hits the post. You know, Alonso, Alonso gets space out wide. Didn't get as much space as he did first half, but a couple of moments where he was able to get forward. And, um, you know, his cross comes in, met by Giroud, smashes it. And you can kind of see him. He's watching it, thinking it's going in for his first goal for Chelsea. He comes back off the post. Had he been a little bit more alive, he's probably got, a, got another opportunity to hit it, but he ends up sort of slicing it wide. So, you know, we rode our luck a little bit there. But again, we, you know, we're under that bit of pressure, but we still, like we, you know, unlike the first half where we just kept inviting it, we we gave it back to Chelsea. We really did. And I think just before the 70 minute mark, you had a, a lovely little bit of uh, of skill and strength from Aaron Wambazaka on the right hand side where he's just refusing to give up the ball. And uh, Chelsea end up fouling him. And um, from that sort of free kick, You've got Tompkins jumping up and the ball sort of bounces off him and the defender. It goes towards Riedervald. He sort of shapes to hit it, but you've got Gary Cahill diving in front of him at the time. So he actually pulls out of trying to hit it and steps away and puts his arms up. And the ball finds itself at the feet of Serloff. Drills it home for his first goal for Palace. Yay! No. <laughs> no. DR, it was disallowed. Yeah. Why? <laughs> <laughs> the referee um, he's got a history with us hasn't he I sort of think it was Nick that uh, posted something on our chat yeah, Everton uh, the dive incident he was in that game and I think Nick knows better but he does have a history with disallowing goals and some ridiculous decisions with, with us so I actually don't know what the referee saw I just don't know what did he see 
I mean, I watched it a few times. You've got to, you've got to say that it's the, it's something to do with Cahill, right? So, and I'm not playing stupid here. I, you know, I know. I, I, I looked at the point where he's blowing the whistle and what he's kind of pointing out at the time. It's just what I struggle with is that he hasn't seen what everyone else has seen, and that's that Jairo Riedeveld pulls out of of bringing his foot up. He goes to bring his foot up, but he doesn't, and Cahill just sort of dives at nothing. And, um, and Nick, it's just... yeah, there's, a, there's a shot from the front of the pallet from the somebody in the in the front row. Uh, it was on Twitter. It was just a gif, a gif, gif, gif. I never know. And you can actually really see Riedeveld. Um, really trying to get out of the way. And also, who um, was the player that went for the head of Tompkins? He looked like he was thrown across the box. He had a player's arm around him as he was going across. It looked like, I don't know. But he looked like he was being fouled as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you sometimes see those things given as well. But when you've actually legitimately put the ball in there, and importantly, it's for Zerloff, it's his first goal for Palace. It's a great moment because you've still got 20 minutes left in the game. You know, and you it's don't like to, to you don't like to point at referees and say that they've cost you, because in reality we could have got a real hammering in this game, and and we should perhaps have got a real hammering in this game, but in reality we've had a, a legitimate goal ruled out. It's we've actually scored it, and then obviously later on we go on to score again. So Chelsea don't score again. <laughs> so um, that should have been two two, and. Uh, we wouldn't have potentially well. We wouldn't have deserved a draw, no chance. Um, as much as I want to commend the second half performance, but well, you know, those we, things we really done. because we'd have put the ball in the net the same amount of times as them. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying, mate. Let's not let's not be silly, though. You know what I mean. No, I'm just bitter. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, but you know, the referee bottom line is he think he thinks that Reid Avald has has brought his foot up and connected with Gary Cahill, and the bottom line is he's very, 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 very wrong about that, and he's cost us, and it's extremely annoying. However, you know, the game sort of we, we carried on, we carried on pushing. We, you know, at least we didn't let Chelsea have it all their own way, and and we got that little bit of a reward later on, even that doesn't get us any points. With you know, it was actually another good bit of play from Serloff. Good strength down the right-hand side. Knocks it across towards sort of Chung Yong Lee, who actually lets it run to Zaha. Zaha plays in a proper, you know, decent pass <laughs> to, to Patrick Bernard-Holt. That's exactly what you want to see. You know, I have to say, in those situations, too, too many of our players kind of have a tendency to play the ball behind people or directly at people. Zaha plays it exactly where it needs to be for Van Arnholt to run on and, and finish. And two in a row for Patrick Van Arnholt getting forward from the back. And, um, you know, I've, I've, I'm a lot happier with PVA these days than I used to be. Um, I think he's starting to win me over a little bit with, you know, even despite his uh, occasional positional um, deficiencies, let's be polite and call it that. Um, so 2-1. You know, you can't be too, as much as we're bitter, Nick, because you quite rightly say, you can't be too disappointed at the end of that. Um, so how did you feel at the end of the game? Um, gutted. Um, I really wanted potatoes for some reason. I can't think <laughs> why. Um, it, it was it was just what might have been. I must say, though, Wilf's pass to PVA for the goal was sublime. It was absolutely superb. He didn't even look, did he? He just knew that he was going to be there and, and knock the ball out into a perfect position. That's that's what you call a footballing brain. Absolutely. And um, Chungy, again, not too bad when he came on. But at the end, it, it, it was, again, what might have been. 
I wasn't expecting to beat Chelsea. No, so I wasn't exactly. too gutted. And, and the second half really kind of, well, I was annoyed that we played so well in the second half and so badly in the first half, because you could say oh, it was a bad day at the office. But yeah. we had 11 players on the pitch in the second half. You could argue we only had 10 in the first half. So as long yeah. as that, that's sorted out in the games to come, as, as long as I don't see the same sort of rubbishness going forward, I don't yeah. mean in an attacking sense, I mean for the rest of the season. Um, we'll just say, rather do that against Chelsea, who were on to win anyway, than than somebody else like Stoke. Yeah. I do want to say, I mean, I know we've laid into Benteke a bit today. You know? I do want to say, it's not like everybody else covered themselves in glory. In no, first no. Half. It's really important that I say that. And, you know, and There's a few other players that I have criticised of of late and, you know, and Townsend's been one of those. I think he stepped his game up a little bit in the last few weeks, um, but still I, you know, I'd, I'd rather see a bit more from him, um, particularly in a, a defensive sense. Um, you know, and again, not, you know, not, I mean, even dare I say it, Luca, you know, a couple of times it might just be fatigue or whatever, but you know, he's, he's been a bit slow to close something down that, you know, maybe, maybe at his very, very best. He's getting in the way of people there and, and stopping shots that have, you know, cost us, uh, well, you know, the, the important times. Um, DR, your sort of overall feelings from the Chelsea game at the end? Well, I wasn't emotionally broken as I was against Man United because that was a different story. So uh, it's just one of them ones. Chelsea, we, we wasn't expecting to beat them anyways. Now we've got winnable games. And to be fair, we've got players coming for them games. So there's no excuses in that aspect. Um, I I don't think I don't think we'll go down. I, I, I just don't see it happening because um, all the players coming back, if we can keep them fit, and it's up to us now, really. If we do go down, there's no one to blame but us uh, and you know the players. When I mean us, because everyone's back, everyone's fit. Chris, I blame Albert. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I blame Chris for slating Hennessy. No, I think I think we'll stay up. But I, yeah, I wasn't that disappointed. It's one of them games. Uh, Bring on Huddersfield. All right. I want to uh, chuck, chuck a couple of things at you guys. So, Bissaka's been got, um, obviously, Aaron Raymond Bissaka getting rave reviews for his last couple of games. A bit of a tougher game for him this time. Um, you know, really needed a bit more backup in front of him to, to from the, from Townsend, for example, to try and stifle the, uh, the fullbacks. So, a real test of character for him. Um, I think perhaps defensively, he got caught out more often than any of the other games. Um, I liked his ambition going forward, but still a, a really good display. Stopped a lot of crosses coming in, which is one of the things I really, really like to see in a fullback. Um, I'd say certainly first half, Zappa Costa had a much easier time getting in down the right than Alonso did down the left. Uh, and I think that's credit to Bissaka, in, uh, for, at least for, for some part in that. Um, you know, as I say, won a good free kick in the second half. I, I sort of thought... Um, Check uh, check out some of the message boards on that. And I was reading through the BBS thread on Bissaka and people being really, really critical of his crossing ability, um, which I don't like to see. I mean, first of all, you know, Joel Ward has got a 50p foot when it comes to crossing. So it's not like, you know, we're, we're, we're missing too much there. But second of all, he's a very young player and, he, and, and particularly the cross that people were talking about. You're talking about one cross in the game right at the end. Yes, it was the last moment where we might get something, but... I think, you know, in his third professional game at Premier League level, well, a professional game at any level, it's it's a really, really harsh thing to start criticising 
that cross. It's it's a fraction of a second of a moment where you have to get it absolutely perfect. And unfortunately, he didn't. He got the timing of it wrong. Just that little bit too eager, and he snatched at it, and it's gone over. So, you know, it, it happens. I think the game wasn't lost in that moment. I think people need to wind their necks in a bit. So, what did you make of his performance, Nick? I, I totally agree with you about people winding their necks in because I, I thought exactly the same as you. But I, I thought he had an excellent game and he troubled Chelsea. He really did. And he defended well. And he's definitely, definitely one for the future. I see that um, there's been some stuff on Twitter about him wanting a new deal or, or whether it's agent nonsense trying to stir things up. They're the curse in this game, aren't they, agents? Um, I just, I've, I've, I'm just so worried about this Huddersfield game that they're going to, kick the Watsits out of us like they did in the first game and some of the um, some of the Huddersfield fans have already been on Twitter saying that that's what they're going to do yeah well you know again you need a, we need a strong referee and we need to be prepared for it I think if you look at the fact we've got a very you know obviously we're a different club from that first game of the season you know we had a we had a different manager with a different philosophy and we had um, you know which didn't work out let's put it that way so uh, Roy Hodgson's a bit more you know, he'll know how to prepare the players for that. Uh, I know yeah. you can't stop someone kicking lumps out of our people, but you can sort of work to protect players and all that kind of stuff. Give, okay. him, a red, give him a red card. That stops them. Well, well exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, going back to Pesaka, um, DR, even the fact that he's played three games against the best, well, three of the best teams in the Premier League, um, and he's acquitted himself so well, and he obviously will be on a, on a, very, very low youth professional deal. Doesn't doesn't he deserve a new contract? Isn't it a good time to be talking about one? Uh, what do you think? Or too early? I, I, I don't know. If it's, if we want to keep him for the future, then of course he wants a better deal if he's going to be a starter. Uh, yeah, I think I think he deserves a new contract right now. If, we, if we're going to keep playing him at right back, then why not? Absolutely right. Um <laughs> Okay, who else did I want? Oh, I was going to talk about the impact of Zaha. Um, we won't go too too on on too much about this because it's a fairly obvious thing to say. But I mean, Dr. Obviously, Wilf makes us a very very different team, even a half fit Wilf. So um, obviously, hugely encouraging for the games ahead. Maybe a bit risky to have played him against Chelsea. I think a lot of people assumed we wouldn't we wouldn't risk him for more than five or ten minutes. But he's played forty five minutes. He's back apparently four weeks ahead of schedule. Uh, he's an incredible player, an incredible sort of, you know, talisman for us. I think I, I assume, like everyone, you're you're a lot more confident when he's about them than if he isn't. Yeah, I think it's not everyone feels the same way. Wolf, Wolf, the stats even prove it. Um, unfortunately, we've got some weird record that we don't really win games without Wolf. So bringing Wolf back into the side is is a massive, massive plus going forward. He, he already made an assist. He played 45 minutes, scoring assist. And if he plays a 90 against weak opposition uh, like Huddersfield, you know what he does. He, he just he just creates your chances. So it's a fantastic uh, news to have him back four weeks early. That's just crazy as well. Yeah, unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable how quickly he heals. Um, you know, it was a, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's great to see him back. It really is great. And the only question I did have is... Um, when you look at our performance against Man City, uh, going back a while, we, we held them to, you know, they were absolutely rampant at the time. We held them to nil-nil. One of the key people in that was Jairo Riedeveld, um, 
in playing in central midfield, doing a really, really good job of not only moving the ball well, but also, you know, he anchored in there as a, as a really, really solid defensive midfielder. Nick, do you feel, what's he, you know, what's he got to do really? And you look at the circumstances of playing the game against Chelsea and starting with that 4-4-2, but, you know, if he, surely we got to consider playing him in a, you know, when you try, you should have. One of the options is to obviously match him up in midfield and have that five across there, or at least have that extra central midfielder to to go and maybe sit on Fabregas and, and you know restrict him. Yeah, yeah. You know, is, is, is he done anything wrong in your view? I don't think he has, but it's a difficult one, isn't it? Does he does it upset the balance of the team too much? Changing too much, having two or three new players in. Um, I, although he's not new anymore, is he? But mm. I, I really don't know. I really don't know why he's, why he's not being picked, whether it's because he was seen as one of Dubois' buyers. I don't know. Um, that's, that'd be really petty if it was, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be a bit, yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, I've heard, uh, I've heard Roy talk about the fact that they felt he was, you know, a, a way off the pace of the Premier League when they came in, um, which... You know, I was I wasn't necessarily surprised about. It. It's obviously a very different league than the Dutch league, but they said that it was only really injuries and you know lack of availability in certain games that that gave him an opportunity. But they were a lot happier with him after that opportunity was given. Yeah, you know, he has played a reasonable amount of late. He's often off coming off the bench, but for me, I was just a little bit just just when he came. It was only when he came off the bench in, in the second half, and I just thought. Oh yeah, <laughs> why? Do, I was thinking we didn't have another option in central midfield, but he's right there. Why didn't we? Why we consider that as an option to try and contain Chelsea? But maybe the fact that Chelsea have been having a hard time of it before playing us kind of got into Roy's head a bit, and, and he didn't feel that he needed to contain them. Anyway, uh, go on. Yeah, um, perhaps he did. And also, we don't know how they're doing training, do we? He, he could be, you know, who, who was it we were talking about three or four years ago? How does he get picked? How does he get picked? He must be really, really good in training. There's probably about four or five of them. So we don't know what what's going on in training that that makes Roy want to pick players. Yeah, that's a fair point. Fair point. Just a little thing I'd like I like to speculate on. I'm going to pick a couple yeah. of questions from the listeners before we end. Oh, I haven't got the names, damn it. So I've only got the Twitter handles. Uh, Mr. C Parrot uh, said, with so many players back from injury, what's your first choice 11 for Huddersfield? Um, I don't think we've got time for all of us to say that. So... Uh, it's a joint effort, so I'll take the goalkeeper position. So, Diego <laughs> Cavallari, um, start really? back four, please, Nick. Um, I'd actually, if he's if he's uh, I'd go for one Bissaka. Um, not sure whether I'd put Sacco in yet. He's, he doesn't seem to be the soldier we expect, but perhaps he's the sort of big beast. Can, can I address that? that? You need? Can I address that? I just really, really, really want to say this. Yeah. I, keep, I keep forgetting every week. So you know when it came out that he said um, that he was passed fit by the by the medical team, and right, but he was passed fit by the medical team, but he told me he didn't want to play, and everyone's gone off the deep end. Like, oh my god! Oh, so much for the soldier. Oh, he's mentally fit. Do you know that there was a follow up question to that? There was just it was, it was in all the papers. There was a follow up question where the reporter said, you know, is, he, is it a mental thing? He, and I said, no, 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 it's, it's not a mental thing. He is injured. It's scar tissue from a previous injury interfering with this injury. So he actually answered the question. So all this stuff about, you know, the, the supposed he's injured. He's still injured. He was still injured, right? Oh, I missed that bit. Yeah, missed it. It's, he wasn't making it up. It wasn't. A, he doesn't have a psychological breakdown and say he couldn't play. The medical staff said he was. He was, you know, physically fit to play. But 
he had some there was some issue with the scar tissue interference. So there you go, that's all it was. All right. <laughs> Can I continue? Yeah. Tompkins, definitely. Mm-hmm. Tompkins, definitely. And then whoever at right back. Left back. Oh, Left back. Whoever, one of Schlupp or, well, it depends, depending on who you pick, restricts our ability to pick a midfield, doesn't it? You know, potentially. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see one Bissaka push forward. Oh, stop confusing things. I might not ask <laughs> anything about anything <laughs> else. DR, what's our midfield going to be? Oh, midfield. Uh, so, it depends on the formation. What should I do? Well, I, I can see thing, uh, Roy playing four four two again. So uh, I think Luca will be there uh, on a on a left. Wealth, uh, another central partner next to Luca. I can see it being Maka. Uh, if Johan is it, fit and MacArthur's fit, who does he pick? I think Johan's done. I I, I just don't think he can play Premier League football well, anymore. No, he's, he's back. No, no. I mean, in general, oh, okay. I, I think right. he, I think his fitness levels are not there anymore. So. I'll pick MacArthur there. And in fact, sorry, I'll put Slop left mid and Wilf on the right. Okay, so what, are you dropping Townsend? Oh, oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, nah, all right, cool. Put Wilf. Put Wilf. No, I'm going to do this myself, right? Put Wilf on the right. Just, just forget it. Forget it. Do it myself. <laughs> if you ask us individually, our whole lineup is confusing it. <laughs> Asking us I thought I'd try it. I thought I'd try and involve everyone, but I can see my mistake now. <laughs> um, aside from my joke about the goalkeeper, I, I don't really care who gets picked there. I do care. Um, but I, I sort of agree with Nick. I'll go, but obviously, Wan Bissaka, I think, deserves to keep his place. I think we're wrong to take him out of the equation now. I'd like to see Sacco back to park, partner Tompkins, and I think PVA has the left-back spot nailed down at the moment. Um, going into midfield, I think you're probably right. I can see Jeff Schlupp starting on the left-hand side. I think... I think if Johan's fit, I reckon he'll start alongside Luca. I think it will be MacArthur who drops down to the bench. Townsend will play on the right. And I think, I think, this is my gut feeling, is that you'll have Serloth with uh, Wilfred Zaha. Right? And I think Benteke will be out of the team. That's my gut feeling. I, mean, I think, I think Loftus-Cheek will only be fit enough for the bench and will not be risked unless we have to. Um, but beyond that, I think, I think that's what we'll be seeing. Okay, final question, and this will be to who wants this? It's a, we've been talking about Ben okay, but it's a it's more of a well, it's an opinion thing. So I'll, I'll ask both of you guys. So, uh, this is Charles Meyer who said uh, it seems that Roy's made a statement to the team and to Ben Teke himself by immediately dropping him to start the second half. What are your thoughts on this? Agree, disagree? So, Nick, do you think that's a statement by Roy to Ben Teke? Do you think this is part of managing him, or is it just game management? Bit of both. Bit of both. Just to be awkward. No, I think he'd, he'd, I'd have dropped him if we had the players to, to put in there. And now we've got the players coming back because against Manchester United, we didn't really have players to replace him, did we? But now we have. And that, that's been the difficult thing. And I don't know whether Benteke has got a bit complacent. I mean, you can see he was getting frustrated with some of the balls in a couple of times he a uh, couple of long balls came over. I don't know who it was from. Benteke was uh, moaning that they're too high. He wants them at chest high and and whatever. So he just needs to step it up. And I hope a couple of games out will make him realise that. Because if he does want to go in the summer, um, he's not going to get much of a wage if he's not scoring many goals, is he? They're not going to want to pay him as much as they would if he's if he scored eight or nine goals in the last eight games. So even if it's just to put himself in the frame, as it were, we we might see him step up anyway. 
Anything to add to that, Dio, or should we should we end this show? Um, I don't think it was a statement. I think it's more tactical because it just wasn't working uh, with two up front. We just needed, actually, we did put. <laughs> stop, stop disagreeing with yourself halfway yeah. through. <laughs> I'm having a mental fight with myself right now. Just uh, you have to go with it. Just say half it. and half, half and half. I think it was a statement, and I think it was due to tactics as well. Just half and half. I don't think it was 100 percent because of a statement, but I think it's just half and half. The only thing that makes me think it was a statement is that he took Benteke off and not sort off. Yeah, exactly. 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 It, it, it could have been either, and like I said, I think that did serve off the, the world of good. And like I said, I'm, I'm becoming a big fan of of Mister Serloff. He's he's just my type of player. Just if he if he can just get up to the pace, he's just slightly off it at the moment. He's getting there. You know, his first game he looked he looked quite some way off of it in, in some in some touches, but that's sort of lessening as every game he plays. And he's had a don't you know don't forget he's. It sort of dropped in at the deep end straight away as well. We're not really given any opportunity to adjust and to get used to training. He's just been chucked straight in. So, but good on him. Nice to see. Very nice to see. I honestly think whoever spotted that, that gem has done an absolutely great job there. All right. Uh, though I've got a couple of other questions, but I think we're going to leave those for now. Um, Nick, you want to, you can mention Thursday if you like. I'm just going to mention my dog's just been watching Crufts. It's been very, very sweet with the sound down. It's lovely. To watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, it is kind of TV for dogs, isn't it? It is. <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing cat uh, YouTube videos on my phone as well, which tends the dog absolutely do lally. <laughs> she went outside in the garden playing it really loud. Um, yeah, it's Albert and I on this love sport thing on Thursday. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I, I, I'm not. I'm licking on him. You did very well there to cope with the, the abuse that he gave you the moment you went on air and uh, <laughs> came through. Um, yeah, I'll talk a little bit of, of, about the experience. It's very, very good. They're um, they're only on a soft launch at the moment at, at Love Sport, which means they're not putting out a huge amount of promotion. They're just sort of seeing how things are going to work. But they launch properly in eight days' time uh, on the 19th. Uh, we'll be a part of it uh, for the rest of the season and obviously hopefully for many, many future seasons because it's an enjoyable experience obviously went up to the their offices in Southwark um and they're, they're you know they're really nice I know Aaron who's uh his name's Aaron Paul which immediately if you've watched Breaking Bad makes me want to say bitch after every sentence mm-hmm. yeah bitch but I didn't I didn't I've been, I've, been, I've, been, I've been unprofessional and then he goes straight in and calls me fat I just want to put everyone's <laughs> mind at rest you know Albert and I are husky gentlemen Albert much less so than me you know he's just got a, you know he's taller and he's, he, I wouldn't call him fat However, Aaron is is actually probably fatter than both of us. So I, I didn't really take too much offence to that. So. Chris, you should um, have sorted him out. Honestly, <laughs> 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 he's a really nice guy. Everyone there was was very very pleasant to deal with, um, and it was fun. It was it was enjoyable behind the scenes. I quite liked the fact that we had you know another guy who he's not a Palace fan, but he's obviously done plenty of work on, in terms of research. Uh, he's got an ex- a great knowledge of Palace players from, I think it was uh, Championship Manager 98. <laughs> we were talking about, <laughs> uh, hours talking about that before the start. I've completely forgot to prepare for the show, but we sort of, I think, um, you know, the discussions we had, he was, obviously most of the people there, you've got lots of uh, shows, but they're all podcasts, whereas obviously we're used to doing live radio. So, well, to a point, whatever, whatever this is. <laughs> so uh, I said to him, you know, in all honesty, 
the problem we're going to have with us is that we're used to having to talk and fill time for well over an hour. So instead of these eight minute links, so you're going to have to shut us up. Um, but I think it worked really well for us. We had some interesting ideas as we went. Um, and, uh, and it will obviously that show will grow and improve as we go. And obviously there is a podcast of it. I, I assume in, in the future when they're fully launched, they'll be hosting them themselves, but we, essentially stole it and put it on our feed for now. So listen to it. <laughs> See you. And it'd be really great if, uh, if if you guys could, obviously I'm, I'm not there next week, but Nick's joined, joining Albert and we will try and keep it relatively consistent in terms of who goes and does it. Uh, and not everyone can, because it is a thing we do in person as well at, at their studios. Um, but it's incredibly enjoyable. It'd be great for you guys all to give it a listen if, if you so want. I'm not trying to force you to do it. Some of you might have your reasons for not wanting to listen, but um, and if you could get in touch with, with people during the show as well, they're really, really keen to get people on air and, and to get their views. And obviously it's something we're used to do more often, but because of the issues we've had with Skype and uh, various other technical reasons, we don't get callers on anymore. And it'd be really nice to to interact with some of you. And you can do that on uh, on our show on Love Sport Radio. So please join uh, Nick and Albert on Thursday from 7pm. Just Google Love Sport Radio. You can listen live on the website. If you're in London, you can listen on DAB. And I think it's 558. Uh, is it AM? Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's AM. What does AM It used to be Laser 558. Playing the <laughs> yesteryear. That is true. Really? Okay. Yeah, Laser 558. Amplitude modulation. There you oh. go. Sweet. And FM is frequency modulation. Mm, there you go. Someone's on their research. Knowledge, mate, innit? What else should we plug? Obviously, Terence's preview podcast. Maybe you subscribed on Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcast thing is. What else is, is there? There's Podkicker. There's some uh, other stuff in there. Uh, yeah. Um, there's loads out there. Yeah. yeah. And obviously, Acast as well, which obviously will host our, host our podcast. Get subscribed and you won't miss a thing. That's basically the message there. Uh, I suppose we'll be back next Sunday, won't we? Bissaka was my man of the match, by the way. I was going to ask that. Who was oh, your yeah. man of the match, dear? Uh, I'll go, yeah, I'll go Bissaka. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Wilfred Zaha for 45 minutes. <laughs> Just making me happy again. That's mine. Um, anyway, so yeah, thank you very much to Sam for, for producing. Uh, and it got a little bit fraught as well before we started the show because things weren't working but we did we did we did it we coped and it all went swimmingly well uh, thank you to dr and nick for joining me today thank you for listening and we'll be back next week cheers bye bye The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. 
Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.